Today's episode is brought to you by King Realty and Management Incorporated, a full-service residential real estate brokerage with a multi-generational approach. Are you looking to invest in real estate here in Texas? Or better yet, are you looking to sell your home? Be sure to contact King Realty and Management. Visit kingrealtytx.com slash podcast. versus machine, how I got someone else to pay off my student loan debt and how you can do the same thing. Let's jump right into today's conversation. Hey guys, it's Courtney again with another episode of Millennial versus Machine. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode. I really appreciate you guys that are listening every week. Um, Before we get started into today's podcast episode, I wanted to read a review that Jasmine posted on Apple Podcasts. So um, this is what she said. The subject is great podcast for wealth building and getting out of debt. Courtney, your podcast has so many gems. This book and podcast is helping me to understand that being a real estate investor is possible, especially by using other people's money. I can't wait to get my first property. Courtney, amazing content content. Jazz, thank you so much for taking the time to review the podcast and for listening um, to all of the episodes. I really, really appreciate it. If you guys haven't rated and reviewed the podcast on whatever platform that you're listening to, I would totally appreciate it. It actually helps other people that are looking to get out of student loan debt or just looking to start real estate investing, find this podcast. So it means so much to me if you guys would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. So today, what we're talking about is make readies. What I've been trying to do, guys, is as I put out episodes, I've been trying to do it in a very systematic or logical way. Now, I realize that some of you guys may be listening to this podcast out of order, and that's cool too. Um... This is the 21st episode of the podcast, and it's all about make readies. So last week, what we talked about is the home buying process, okay? Um, how to start for every- how to start basically your search for an investment property and the step-by-step ways to get to the actual closing of the property. Now, when you're searching for a property in particular, some of the things that you have to consider is how much money do you have to invest in the property to get it ready for moving? Oftentimes in the investment world, we call that make ready or rehab, especially if you're talking about extensive work, okay? So today I want to talk with you about a make ready checklist. What does a make ready entail of? What things do you have to do to a property before it is ready for moving? Okay. Now this is not necessarily an exhaustive list, but it does help you get started. So as you're looking at different potential investment properties, keep these in mind because it allows you to kind of factor in or anticipate the cost to get it ready after you close. Of course, As a friendly reminder, you never do work on a property until you actually close on the property or you never spend money on getting a property ready until after you are the official owner. Let me make that clear. Um, To some of you guys, you're like, no duh, Courtney. Like, of course this is um, what you need to do. But 
you know, there are newbies out there and you just never want to spend money on a property that you don't yet own. Okay. So I'm going to be going over a make ready checklist. You can actually download this checklist for free. If you visit CourtneyMKing.com slash make ready, I'll also link it in the show notes. Okay. That's CourtneyMKing.com slash make ready. So here's where we're going to begin. I'm going to kind of break it up into five different major categories um, of, of work that needs to be done. Okay. The first thing that we're going to talk about is oftentimes there are different local requirements for rental properties, meaning, um, either state wide, there are different regulations, requirements for rental properties, especially in terms of, um, different things that must be on the premise, um, in order to comply. And then there's also local. Um, so we're, since I'm in Texas, I sell properties in Houston and Dallas. Uh, we're going to start with the Texas minimum requirements. Okay. Um, so one of the things here are you have to actually, um, rekey all of the locks, to the property, mainly the locks that lead to the exterior of the property. So oftentimes what people will do is when they purchase a property, they'll change all of the locks to be smart locks. Okay. I'll include a link to what a smart lock is. So you can take a look at it, um, in the show notes, but basically a smart lock is a type of lock that allows the rekey process to be done very simply and very quickly after the smart locks are installed. So anytime there's a change in occupancy of the property, whether you are living in the property and then you decide to rent it out, you always have to change the locks. And this is mainly for safety reasons, guys. Um, if maybe a neighbor or a friend has a key to the property, um, you know, just to make sure that nobody else has keys that shouldn't, um, you have to rekey. So that's basically, um, one of the requirements for Texas. Okay. The other thing is, is all doors have to have a peephole. All doors leading to the exterior have to have some sort of peephole. Now, this includes the front door, the back door, or any door that leads to the garage, believe it or not. And if the door in question has a window, um, on it or immediately next to the door, then, then you don't have to actually install a people in the door. Um, but if there's no window or anything very close to the door, then a people must be installed. And that's basically for safety reasons. People should be able to, um, look out either a window or the people to determine if they, um, the person that's ringing the doorbell or knocking on the door, it's somebody that they want to open the house up to. So, um, this is really, really important from a safety perspective. Now I know you're wondering like, Courtney, why do you need a peephole on the door leading to the garage? Um, I'll give you a prime example. I, um, used to have a townhome and, um, I accidentally, excuse me, the, garage was attached obviously to the property and I accidentally left the garage door open, but the actual door that led from the house to the garage was locked and it didn't have a people. So one night I'm sleeping and there was a patrol that, um, basically is, is part of my homeowners association. And all of a sudden it's like midnight and somebody's ringing my doorbell and I'm like, wait a minute. And I looked at my camera. I didn't see anybody. Um, but then immediately I thought, oh, I left my garage door up. 
Um, so obviously I went to close it, but, um, especially when it comes to tenants in order to minimize the liability, um, it's really important that a people is in the door leading from the house to the garage, because if they end up leaving the garage door open, um, they should be able to see it, see outside. So lucky for me, nothing happened. Um, it was actually my neighborhood patrol that was just letting me know that the garage door was left open. Um, but that's something that explains why that peephole requirement is required on that particular door. Also, this isn't necessarily a Texas specific thing. It's actually national, but smoke detectors need to be, um, in each bedroom as well as the hallway. Years ago, a smoke detector was only required in the hallway um, where the bedrooms were, but now each bedroom should have its own smoke detector. Um, also, carbon monoxide detector. If you are entertaining a house that has gas fixtures, whether that be a gas hot water heater um, or gas stove, you really should have carbon monoxide detectors. Now, that is not required. Um, I don't know why, but from a liability perspective, it would really help you as a investor minimize any liability related to any gas lines at your property by installing carbon monoxide detectors. And so in all of our properties that we manage with gas, that is a requirement. Okay. Um, and then the last thing is not necessarily required per se, especially on older homes, but it's pretty important that you have GFCI protection in the show notes. I will link what that is, but basically if somebody's using, um, one of the sinks, whether it be kitchen or bathroom, um, the outlets near those water areas usually are protected so that if a electric appliance falls into the water, it'll automatically trip that outlet and it prevents people from being electrocuted. And so it's really, um, highly recommended that those be in, um, both the kitchen and the bathrooms of a property. So that is a quick little summary of the Texas requirements. They're not exhaustive, but those are the primary things that I usually have to tell our clients that we manage, um, that these things need to be done. Okay. Now let's talk about exterior, um, of the house. Um, some of the things that it would be wise to make sure that are completed are siding and brick are cleaned and caulked. Um, any gutters and downspouts are all connected and clear so that we can ensure that any water, like rainwater, is not pooling at the foundation but diverted. Um, this helps minimize any uh, foundation issues in the future. Uh, make sure that the roof is all good. There's no leaks. Uh, make sure that the chimney is all sealed up. There's usually a cap on the top and that all of the flashings, it's this metal part that goes around the chimney um, at the roof line typically, make sure all of that is um, in proper order. This just minimizes or prevents any leaks. And then obviously the proper lighting. Um, so you want to make sure that there's proper lighting at the front, the back and the sides of the property, just to make sure again, from a safety perspective that everything is well lit. So that's just, a, those are just a few of the items um, from an exterior perspective. Now let's talk landscaping. Really all trees and shrubs should be trimmed away from the property. So they shouldn't be touching the property. Why you ask? 
That's because um, in the world of purchasing and inspections, those are called conducive conditions. So anytime any tree limbs or shrubs are touching the house, um, a termite inspector is going to say, hey, that's a conducive condition for termite because it's a way that sometimes bugs will come on the property. So best practice is to get all of those things trimmed away so that they're not touching the house. Uh, Make sure the grass is mowed. Make sure the flower beds are all weeded. Um, A lot of that has to do with curb appeal. Um, That helps us, especially if we're managing your property, attract a quality tenant. Um, Believe it or not, guys, as an investor, if your landscaping is like subpar, you know, everything is overgrown, prospective tenants look at that as if you're not taking care of your property. And sometimes that's a deterrent from them um, actually submitting an application on your property. So um, first impressions are lasting impressions. And if you think about it, somebody pulling up to your house, um, the first thing that they see is the curb appeal. So at a minimum, just making sure everything is tidied up and everything is cleaned, weeded and mowed and edged. um, It goes a long way and it's pretty inexpensive to do. So Um, after that, let's talk about interior items. You want to make sure that all of the flooring in the house is clean and in good condition. You want to make sure all of the lights, the bulbs, and the outlets are all functional. Uh, you want to make sure that all of the doors and the molding are in good condition and that the doors to the bathroom, especially are locking. Um, the other thing you want to make sure is that the walls and the ceiling are in good condition. Guys, if you are purchasing a property and the walls are all dingy, go ahead and plan on repainting the interior of the property, guys. It goes a long way. And on average, you usually have to repaint the interior of a property every three to four years, just depending on how the tenant is taking care of the property. So um, if you're buying a distressed home, um, just go ahead and count on painting the inside, okay? Um, the other thing is, is all cabinets and countertops should be in working order and in good condition. If you're buying a house where like the, the cabinets are all water damaged, you really probably need to get, um, those checked out, repaired, um, depending on the conditions, sometime replace. Um, but countertops, I had a client that, um, had a property that had laminate countertops and it looked like maybe one of the previous tenants had put a hot pan or pot on the countertops and it was burnt, I told them, you know, we have to do something about it, you know, Um, especially because I was raised by a general contractor and real estate broker. I can usually tell people, hey, this is about how much it's going to cost to replace or repair. Sometimes if it's just a small section and depending on the price point of the house, we could get away with refinishing the countertops. It may be a, um, a cheaper way to get what we need to get um, and, and have the countertops looking good. Um, in some cases you can't refinish them. You, you, you have to replace them, but depending on the material that you use, it's usually pretty inexpensive, but we'll want to factor that in. If you're looking at a home where the countertops just don't look good at all. And then the last thing from an interior perspective are that all the doors and the windows are operable. Um, and if they're not, then we'll want to make sure that that is taken care of specifically with the homes that are really old. Let's say they were built in the fifties, the forties, even, um, sometimes the windows are old and they're painted shut and that's a safety hazard. So, um, it would be a good idea 
I mean, inspectors do this automatically, but just to make sure that all of the doors and the windows are operable. And if not plan on making them operable, not to mention if you're buying a house that old, the energy efficiency of those old windows are really, really terrible. So maybe you consider replacing some of the windows, if not all of them, that's a whole conversation for another day. But if me and my team are representing you on the purchase of a property, um, or if you have an agent, that's something that you definitely want to talk to them about. Okay. The next thing is uh, the last actually section that we'll talk about is the mechanical part of a property. Okay. So for example, the hot water heater is in good working order. Um, a lot of times, um, hot water heaters need to be replaced, especially if they're older, um, or they don't have a drain pan, um, so that if the hot water heater starts leaking, it starts leaking all over the floor. It kind of depends on the location of the hot water heater, but you want to make sure that you have an inspection done, um, to determine if any of those things are required or needed for the hot water heater in a particular property. Um, the other mechanical item would be your HVAC, your heating and your air, making sure it's in good working order, um, making sure the filters are clean, um, and, and brand new when a tenant moves in, because when we negotiate lease, it's actually the tenant's responsibility to change out the air filters. So oftentimes, and I do this even with my own personal portfolio of rentals, I'll leave some extra air filters to make sure that those are being changed. Um, and then the other thing that I actually do, not all investors do this, but I actually pay to have a service service the HVAC of my properties at least twice a year. This is just to make sure that everything is being properly taken care of. Okay. It's a small fee that I have to pay, but again, it ends up saving me a lot of money because it minimizes the likelihood of me having to um, completely replace my HVAC system because it's not being properly maintained. The next thing under mechanical are making sure that all appliances are in good working order. Usually in Texas, usually only um, a stove is required. The refrigerator, the washer and dryer, and a microwave are kind of optional. Um, although including those items does kind of help you get a leg up when it comes to marketing a rental property because oftentimes they don't come with refrigerators or washer and dryers. But making sure that all of the appliances are in good working order is super important. And then the last thing is making sure your garage door and garage door opener are in good working order. Um, a lot of the older homes won't come with a garage door opener. It's a good idea to install one. It just makes it easy um, because it kind of eliminates the possibility of your tenant pulling the door up and down. Um, which could cause issues in the future, especially if you have a, a tenant that's really rough on the property. So this in a nutshell is a basic list of make ready items that will get you started, especially as you are looking at different possible investment properties. Um, again, if you want to download this list for free, make sure you visit CourtneyMKing.com slash make ready. It's linked in the show notes. I hope you guys have a great rest of the day. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Millennial versus Machine podcast. And I'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much. Well, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to continue the conversation, be sure to visit CourtneyMKing.com slash community. And oh, by the way, please subscribe, share, rate, and review this podcast. 
I would greatly appreciate it. And so would your peeps who are looking to get out of student loan debt. Until next time.